0: Good Greater Little Zion Church family. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. I hope you arose this morning with great anticipation and expectation that you are alive and well, and because you are above ground, this is a wonderful opportunity to stretch your arms out and say thank you, Lord, for another day's journey. Before we get started in the sermon today, we're going to be inspired by the Zion Inspirational Choir, And as they give us their selections, let us draw inspiration from that, which they're going to share with us. And then we're going to come back and share with you from God's sacred word. Enjoy.
1: Praise the Lord, everybody. This is the Ziqui here coming to you today. We just want to give you a little bit of words of encouragement through song today because we know that God is still on the throne and we're going to praise him. You can praise him today in your living room. You can walk around your house. It doesn't matter. But we want to come here to encourage you and to uplift you through song. So please join us today and let's get ready to praise the Lord. If you're at home, you can clap your hands like this. You can sing along with us. you that jesus promised he'll take care yes. of us yes. Yes. so we want to slow things down just to praise you. and worship god thank you lord god is our salvation and we give him all yes. the glory and the honor no matter what you're going through no matter what's happening right now remember god is at the forefront yes, he is. and he's here for us you just got to trust and believe and have faith This thing is going to work out. It's going to come to pass. Don't lose your faith. Keep pushing. Keep striving. Lord, the Lord, our our God. God. he is wonderful. One more time. Sing hallelujah.
0: that the Zik choir was expressing to you in their musical presentation you could hear in their voice and the musicians as they constructed that melodious sound that they wanted to give us hope this morning to know that Jesus will take care of you and to encourage you to give exhortation to God from whom all blessings flow and so we give thanks to our music ministry Uh, Brother Fairchild, and all the musicians, Zick Choir, for giving us such blessed experience by way of sermon preparation and the music. And we're just grateful that we have such wonderful people serving with us in this opportunity. I want to also say thank you, Zion, for being so supportive. Uh, Each and every Sunday, we seem to be increasing in terms of numbers. And I am just so grateful that you tune in and hang out with us and hang out with me and listen to me enjoy the sunday school enjoy the sermon thank you so much for supporting this ministry we certainly indeed appreciate that and hopefully uh, we are blessing you in some way giving you words of inspiration and hope and reassuring you that uh, what we're going through god's got it god's got this and in the process god has you god has us god's got this thing under control and our only challenge is to trust God in the midst of this. And I'm going to guarantee you that we're going to come out victorious because we are already, it's already predetermined, we are more than conquerors. We've already won the battle. We've already got this thing over. we just got to persevere. And in the midst of that, learn the lessons that God is teaching us in the journey. So that's our intent every Sunday as we come before you, to sharing God's word and to show you in the word where god has hope for us and we do not have to faint nor lose heart for we shall reap if we faint not so god bless you for being with us every sunday morning two things number one i certainly want to say thank you to those members who uh, had the opportunity to log on yesterday to the virtual homegoing service of sandra lawson who is the sister Of sister Carolyn uh, Carmeletta I hope I pronounced that right Carmeletta I think it is Lewis Um, what a wonderful service it it was powerful I never would have expected such powerful expressions in a virtual service but it was wonderful Um, we gave God praise for this sister whose whose life just touched tremendously a lot of people and people who came on and made comments had nothing but just glorious accolades of how this lady made impact on their lives. And so we give God praise for her. and We certainly give our expressions of support to Sister Lewis, who is uh, deeply mourning the passing of her uh, sister. And so we ask that you continue to keep her in your prayer. But it was a wonderful homegoing service. And thanks be to God, we were able uh, to at least say our goodbyes in a very powerful way. The eulogy was exceptional. And so we just give God praise for that. Now, also on a good note, we want to celebrate today. I want to recognize uh, Brother Chip. We know him as Chip, but his name is Paul and Sister Lady Rhodes. They are celebrating their 17th wedding anniversary today. I was overwhelmingly shocked. I could not. I just could not believe that it's been 17 years since. Um uh, i joined them together i just can't believe it. it i can't believe the time has gone so fast but to god be praised for the both of you chip and lady on your 17th wedding anniversary three beautiful children and uh it's obviously clear that your journey is uh, one of prosperity and you're certainly growing and to god be the glory for the greatness that you are experiencing wonderful man wonderful i just can't believe it's been 17 years but it had really 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 shocked me but to God be the glory for your journey. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of that experience. Well, let's join in the word of God today. Get your Bibles, if you will. Uh, We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. And I want to pick up on something tremendously that God was revealing to us on last Sunday as we wrestled from Mark chapter 11 and how we have been empowered uh, by the Holy Ghost to speak and to use our mouth and to be able to bring about change because of the spoken word and you got to keep this in mind also we have been redeemed probably most of us because of the spoken word we've heard the word preached somewhere somebody mentioned that word could have been a song but we heard that gospel presentation and as a result an invitation came out when that invitation came out we embraced the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the power of someone's mouth with the words of the gospel changed us. And wanna pick up on that today because God is continuously saying something to us about how powerful our words are in this gospel text. So in the gospel of Luke chapter 17, verse one through six, we're going to read this morning. It's going to be our scriptural text. And uh, I want you to wrestle with me as we unpack the tension uh, that exists in both this metaphorical as well as this spiritual and practical application of, once again, how powerful our words are and how Jesus uses metaphors by way of pictures to give us insight into what our words do when we say them. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Here's the word of the Lord he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Here's the title of the sermon today. You got it like that. You got it like that. Listen to what Jesus is conveying to these disciples. When you use your mouth, when you use the spoken word by faith, you have the authority and the power to make change, to make a difference to bring about revelation fulfillment in your life here's what jesus is saying you got it like that you got that kind of power and many of us don't even know how powerful we are what we possess in our being as servants of god so i'm still basking in the revelation provided by jesus uh, last week in the use of words in conjunction to once again our words on one hand and the power that exists in our mind. Remember, the Bible says, and it advocates that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And on last week, I tried to raise the question to your consciousness, what creates that kind of authority in our mouth? And I gave you three particulars that we expressed that brings about that kind of powerful experience number one consistency consistency by way of repetition 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 when you keep putting the word quoting the word speaking the word calling those things that be not as though they are you keep speaking over that situation repetitiously it brings about change in that circumstance so not just Repetition, but also visualization. In other words, while I am speaking the scripture, I'm going to paint images in my mind as to how I want my words to paint and to fill out by way on a canvas, life's canvas, how I want this situation to look in this manifestation. So I'm visualizing what i'm looking to see in the future you can call it a vision if you wish but that's what i'm doing i'm visualizing what i'm looking for my spoken word to do while i'm experiencing in this situation so i'm going to use my mouth with consistency repetition i'm going to visualize with my mind vivid images painting them into my mind but also i'm going to ask myself the question Am I willing to pursue? Am I willing to confess? Am I willing to fight? Here it is. Jesus said last week in Mark 11, am I willing to believe in what I have spoken? And when I'm willing to believe in what I have spoken, Jesus pressed that point last week. Whosoever says. That's what Jesus is telling us. Whosoever says, if you caught our Sunday school lesson this morning from Deacon Mosley on Zephaniah 3, we're back to the same word. Zephaniah the prophet speaks victory, but he speaks it by way of prophecy, by vision. And it came to pass. And it came to pass because he used the words that God had given him. And I'm trying to suggest to you this morning, as I did last week, use your mouth. Use it because you got it like that. You got that kind of authority and you got that kind of power to be able to change situations as a result of your mouth. And so Jesus says, when you believe it, it'll be granted to you. Now we're in the gospel of Luke chapter 17. And although it has the same principle that it's reflecting, we're under a bit of a different circumstance. Uh, these verses trumpet that there is not only power in our words follow me but there's also power in our witness which gives influence to why we can celebrate the power in our winning so let me say it again we not only have power in our words Because when I take the word of God and put it in my mouth, confess it, believe it, and then put it out there in the atmosphere, I have set in motion divine expression. But that also gives power to my witness because it affirms my faith belief in the authority of the word, which also influences and causes me to celebration because I'm a winner. Because God has made us winners. So remember, remember what I said. Those words that we have are powerful. Remember this from last week. Because number one, when we speak the word, we release, we release in the atmosphere, spiritual authority. And that's why I encourage you every week, read your Bible every day. Because that's how you're going to draw your spiritual authority. You're going to take passages that's going to stand out in episodes in which the Bible unveils them. And you're going to highlight that passage. And then you're going to start putting it into your memory and you're going to start utilizing it in your life. So when you speak it, you speak it out into the atmosphere of your context and watch change come. Believe it. That's what Jesus is saying to those disciples. you got to believe it when you talk it. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but believe it when you speak it. And something is going to happen. And I'm going to argue something victorious is going to happen. So I release with my mouth spiritual authority. I release that. But secondly, when I use my words, here's a good part. I want you to shout on this. I restrict spiritual adversaries. So no weapon formed against me, no matter what the devil is trying to do, No matter how the devil is trying to create fear in me from COVID-19, no matter how the devil is trying to create fear and frustration and cause you to abandon God, because you may be one of the very ones who now no longer are employed. You may not have paid your mortgage on the first or your rent on the first or your car note on the first. You may not have had the money to get the groceries that you want. And the devil is certainly chiming in the back of your mind Look at what God did for you and to you. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to speak the word of God. Listen, it's only in a crisis is when you're going to have to remember, this is my time now to confess the word and believe it. And that's what's going to bring it to pass in a crisis. Because out of that crisis, your faith arena will be anchored in the truth of God's word. And so when I speak it I am restricting spiritual adversaries. I'm pushing them back by the word of God, God is using that word to push back evil thoughts, evil intentions, no matter what weapons formed against you, your words by faith and your trust in the word of God is going to push back spiritual adversaries. Now how do I know that? remember what Jesus said in Matthew I think it's Matthew 18 and 18 I'm using that word because jesus told me whatever i bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever i loose on earth is loose in heaven and in the name of jesus i bind the enemy no matter what he says no matter what he attempts to do no matter what he tries to persuade the devil is a liar says jesus and i'm going to use the word of god to beat the enemy every single time because my words restrict spiritual adversaries but also my words what do they do they restore spiritual power because sometimes in spiritual warfare it can drain you and so what that does is intentionally draws us back here here we go from an old hymn draw me nearer nearer precious Lord we got to go back to that cross where we can regain the power and the strength to be victorious. And let me anchor that on a word that comes out of Exodus 33. I think it's where the Bible says that the Lord spoke with Moses face-to-face like a friend or like a man speaks with his friends. In other words, God will meet you face-to-face in the midst of that challenge and restore. That's what David says in Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. And that's what God wants to do this morning. And you got to trust God to be able to do that. So remember, we have authority in our mouths to release that divine power, to restrict spiritual adversaries, and then God restores us with divine favor. Now, Jesus discusses how there is power in our witness. Follow me now. He enlightens us on not just the spiritual nature of the text, but also the practical behavior. In the, in the language of Paul, we want to get this in our minds. We don't want to merely be a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. No, we don't we don't want to do that. But instead, we want to be a living presence of life, a walking, living presence of life, a walking living presence of transformation a walking living presence of transition we want to show people how god is working all things together in us and then how god is using us to be a conduit as a blessing to someone and so jesus has a few things he wants to tell us and i want us to get a hold of this as we look at we got it like that because god's using us even in the midst of COVID 19. watch this verse 1 Chapter 17, just Clause A, Jesus tells the disciples, here's the first thing I want you to learn. Number one, and he says it to us, trouble is inevitable. Did you get that? Trouble is inevitable. We live in a fallen world, and because we're in a fallen world, in a corrupt world in an imperfect world it will have moments whereby it will experience seasons of hurt seasons of disappointment seasons of tragedies we are now experiencing we have experienced before and i might as well tell you we will do so in the future We are experiencing being witnesses of diseases and viruses. Let me back up diseases. We've seen people who have been transitioned from earth to glory or earth into eternity, from diseases that have captured their bodies. We've seen that. We've eyewitnessed that. We are now witnesses of a virus that has taken many lives, that has that has destroyed us. We're witnesses that. We are going to experience. Life threatening experience. It's there. What I find interesting in the text is that the King James verse uses the word it's impossible. It uses the word impossible. And that very well could be a mistranslation and it can be misleading of the Greek word that's being used because the Greek word there actually means it's inevitable. It suggests that it's going to happen. You can't avoid it. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, but trying to tell us in 2020. Days like this are going to happen. You can't avoid it. Can't get around it. The only way you're going to miss it is that you're not here on this side of the Jordan. Other than that, it's here. It's going to happen to us. In the Greek language, it refers to something that is a certain way. It can't be altered. I know you may find this hard to believe, but if you are one who believe in the sovereign and divine will of God and divine plan of God, this day was planned. It was going to happen. God already knew, going to happen. Now that's troubling for some you know, students of theology because we have different perspectives in terms of God's comprehension of life, but that is is what it is. It's here now and we got it. We're in the midst of it. The Greek text says, When you read that verse, it gives a negative connotation, which which highly suggests. Here's how the Greek reads. It is impossible that stumbling blocks not come. They're coming, says the text. You cannot avoid that trouble because it relates not just to you and I, but general population. In other words, it's coming because it's a part of human existence. Now, Mark, in your Bible, watch this. The phrase stumbling block, look what Jesus says. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks, the the phrase stumbling blocks comes from the Greek word skandalon. And the Greek word skandalon is in the plural. That's why the word blocks is in the plural. It's in the plural because it's not suggesting it's only going to come to my house or your house. but It's going to come to everybody's house in terms of his presence. Now, it may not affect us the same, but it's coming to everybody's house. That's the reason why it's black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, Puerto Rican. Doesn't matter. It's all over the world. Because it's a part of this scandalon that is going to hit us. And the word actually is interesting. It's very interesting how the word is really used in the Greek. The word scandalon actually means it's a bait stick in a trap. Now, now, follow me now. It's a bait stick in a trap. Here's what the text might be suggesting. Jesus is painting a picture with metaphorical language by saying that the world is filled with traps, and there are all kind of baits within it to seduce, here it is, the weary the tired the frustrated the discouraged the depressed the individual that the enemy can lure into error regarding number 1 scripture so that's what that's what the enemy is going to how the enemy is going to use covid-19 he's going to use it to discourage us and particularly those who are weak in the faith he's going to say here's here's practical language see see how the bible doesn't work see how the word doesn't work see how god doesn't follow through on his own word god can't keep his own promise see how god hadn't really blessed you see the, the satan is trying to lure you away by giving a bait in the trap the trap is the COVID 19 virus but the bait is see see how it ain't working See how you've lost what you had or see how you've affected. Some of you may be affected. Somebody may have been affected now by COVID-19. See how your body has been affected by this. But if you listen to my voice, you've overcome. You see, but he wants to bait those who are weak in the scripture. Secondly, in salvation. He want to show you that salvation is not, can't happen. It won't happen. Not talking about eternity. We're talking about right now, being saved, rescued delivered right now in this moment in which we have questioned god do you understand what's happening to me do you hear me when i'm praying are you gonna get me out of this situation and god is saying yes yes but we write back to what jesus said in mark 11 whosoever says and believes and so i I, i'm trying to encourage you as i have to encourage myself you got to take the perspective no matter what this says i'm going to confess the word of god and believe and god has got to follow through on his word Good God Almighty, I feel my help coming now. He's got to do it. Uh, Because the Bible says in Isaiah, that the word of God cannot go out and return back void. And God doesn't write blank checks. And here's what is happening. Jesus is saying uh, that there's a trap set. And then there is a bait. And the enemy is trying to to lure weak, immature believers. You're going to ask me, how do I know that? I'm going to tell you right here in a second, how do I know that? Immature believers, and he's trying to trap them into to bring them away from scripture, causing them to question their salvation, and then causing the question victorious living. Now, those who set the trap, they do so by means of both direct and indirect temptation. Now, here's what I mean by that. Jesus is well familiar with the traps that men set, that evil set, that Pharisees and scribes set for him. He's well familiar. He's well familiar with the traps that were set by false teachers who went around saying about Jesus, he cast out demons by the rulers of demons, Satan, Matthew nine thirty four, And what Satan is attempting to do is to set traps to lure away our trust in god and when he does that in return his reward is that you become the stumbling block whom satan uses now remember what jesus said in verse one woe to him through whom the stumbling block comes that's the reason why god wants us to stay in the word and not become an instrument of satan because he's trying to use us to discourage and be discouraged and then discourage others and as a result we end up being a stumbling block to someone else now you might ask how do i know uh that you could be a stumbling block and 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 who is it that satan is trying to get in terms of immature look at what the text says in verse 2 it would be better for him if a millstone were around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should cause one of these Little ones to stumble. Now, the word little ones there, that phrase is not children. The Greek word there represents immature believers. Those little ones are immature believers who, watch this now in the midst of COVID 19, are watching you and I walk in the midst of this storm. And what they're trying to do in their weakness is decipher from us strength. That's the reason why Paul advocates that we ought to strengthen one another. We ought to encourage one another. We ought to pray for one another. Now, how do I know that Satan can use a believer as a stumbling block? Could it be that we're talking about someone like John Mark, who became a stumbling block between Paul and Barnabas? And yet we're going to see how it's important that we remember even when Satan attempts to use someone as a stumbling block and is successful in turning their faith or at least bringing doubt or pessimism or question on their faith. It's still our responsibility to keep walking before them in the name of the Lord and to help restore them. Because although John Mark became a stumbling block, Remember when Paul and Sil- uh, Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on a, a particular uh, missionary journey, and Paul uh, Barnabas recommended John Mark, and Paul said, absolutely not. We got out here once, and he turned around and went back, and it caused a rift, a distance between Paul and Barnabas. We never really heard about the two of them until they come together a little bit, a little bit later, and yet we hear Paul in his closing moments in writing in 2 Timothy tell young Timothy when he calls various persons to come see him as he's coming to the close of his journey. He says, also bring John Mark, for he's worthy in the faith. Why? Because John Mark, even though he became a stumbling block temporarily, was still a living witness for the Lord. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. And how do I know that? Because in this pandemic, God is using us as witnesses to those who are weak. Look at his line in verse 3, Clause 8, as a warning. Be on your guard. In other words, be ready because it's going to happen. You may be surprised of those who may find themselves weak in this faith. Now, that verse may seem, in fact, the entire context of verse uh, 3 may seem out of place, may seem out of context. But when you make the connection You'll discover that it's not. And there's a connection between what you find in verse 1, 2, and 3, and then what you find in verse 4, 5, and 6. Watch the connection. So we're told uh, that we don't want to be stumbling blocks, but we're warned to be careful. But watch this Jesus transitions to a very interesting subject. He says, Be on your guard. And then he says something strange. If your brother sins, rebuke him and if he repents forgive him now the word rebuke there he uses is is a tight greek word i say tight i mean it's tough because it means you ought to bring the boom down on him you ought to let him know in his wrongness here is where you you may have gone error or here's where your error compares to the word of god but but you can't hang out there You can't hang out there because you've got to restore them. Forgive them, says the text. And watch watch what Jesus says. I want you to do that because forgiveness is inspirational. (laughs) Jesus says in verse 3 and 4, forgiveness is inspirational. Now, he says, be ready because your words are going to complement your witness. Remember, we're still talking about the power of words. He's going to tell us the power of your words will play out in one who will witness that most life changing moment in life. And what can that be? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Why is that important? Because right now in COVID-19, you might not believe this, but from reports that I've read, some people actually feel that this current condition is something that they have done. Uh Unfortunately, preachers, scholars, theologians, people of religious persuasion have persuaded people that we are in judgment of God. And and, and once again, I think I mentioned it to you before, I mentioned again, I don't know the mind of God that well where I can say it's right or wrong. I don't know. But because I don't know, I'm willing to err on the side of caution. I'm not going to say that God is judging us based on something we've done. I'm going to say that God has given us an opportunity to re, uh, review ourselves, to, to revise our life, to walk into revival and to repent and to be restored. Some people really feel that because their life is a bit now twisted, that they feel like depression has set in and has actually Enforced it's persuasion that very well could have happened. Their condition, though, where they are, their frustration, their agony, their disappointment. Is yet calling for our words to be released. And by that, I mean to release the spiritual authority in their life to bind. And we may have to do that first to encourage them, secondly, to bind that evil agitation, to restrict that spiritual adversary known as depression and unforgiveness. That comes from your words. Listen to Jesus. You are forgiven. Wow. And look what Jesus did. Jesus did not present the case. As a general assumption of an uh, act of offense to everybody, Jesus personalized it and says, look at the text, verse three, look what he says. Look what he says. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And that's powerful. And then he says in verse four, and if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times and says, I repent, forgive him. Because forgiveness is not only inspirational, says Jesus, it will change a person's life and will lift them up from a state of brokenness and restores their soul. But Jesus really helps us understand forgiveness also is an act of transformation the psalmist identified god as the original initiator of forgiveness psalm 103 verse 3 god pardons all of your iniquities and sins he forgives them he washed them away now you keep that in your mind now god the initiator of this thing in terms of forgiveness does that He pardons our sins. He forgives us. He washes them away. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 7, through Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins and by his blood we have redemption. In other words, Jesus is trying to tell us we forgive because we have been forgiven and it's transformational because it changes a life. So, Jesus says, as many times as needed, you give it. Good God Almighty. Now, I want to paint a picture for you how this works. And so, even though it's only one occasion that we can actually identify in the text of this particular episode, I think it makes my point. If you go back and read Genesis 33, Jacob is overwhelmingly burdened and fearful uh, by the fact uh, that Esau when he sees him, is going to kill him. He, he, he's overwhelmed. In fact, when you read the story, uh, Jacob <coughs> excuse me, begins to position everybody in strategic places as he goes back to meet his brother uh, because he fears that one thing he wants to happen is if his brother is going to kill him, he won't hurt his wife. He won't hurt his children. He won't hurt his his inheritance that he has back there. So he positions everybody in strategic spaces behind him. But when you read verse three and four of Genesis 33, what amazingly happens is when Jacob begins to meet Esau, Esau is running to, the Bible says, hugs him and embraces him. In Jacob, translation Murphy, what in the world? This is nothing I anticipated. Why? Because somewhere along the way, Esau experienced forgiveness himself, my only assumption, and as a result now, he is forgiving because forgiveness is transformational and forgiveness is inspirational. And Jacob's fear only subsided when Esau met him, hugged him, and forgave him. That expression alone set jacob free because then esau showed jacob not only forgiveness but jacob got to witness the power of witness what forgiveness is so forgiveness is inspirational forgiveness is transformational watch jesus again Forgiveness also is transitional. Why do I say that? When Jesus says if he comes back seven times, you keep forgiving him seven times. Really, he's really saying no matter how many times you come back, you keep forgiving. Him. Why? Because for some people. To help them recover and to be restored, they don't get forgiveness immediately. It takes some time for them to embrace the extensive magnitude of what forgiveness is that's why jesus i think is saying if he comes seven times and repents forgive him help him why because how many times have we returned to god and say i repent a person could be the power of witness Being that you and I right now are still amazed at how God keeps on forgiving us. That ought to be a shouting point right there. I can hear an amen all over, all over the church right there. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it. We are amazed at how God keeps on forgiving us. And we keep coming back sometimes for the same thing over and over and over again. Can I get a witness right there? Can I get an amen right there? You know, I'm right. I'm on your street, and so it appears that the apostles amazingly found this act of forgiveness to be too large for them. L- listen to what they say in verse five. It's, this is overwhelming. This is too large. This thing is not possible in the natural. And listen, listen to what they say. Perhaps, perhaps remember, uh, you and I can 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 embrace this. Listen to what they say. Lord, increase our faith. I'm coming to the home stretch now. Increase our faith. Now, listen to what happens now. Increase our faith, Lord. Now, we we, we know what that means because we have prayed similar language. Doesn't have to be exact. It's similar. There have been times and moments when we've had to forgive someone and when they have repeatedly offended us, we look up to heaven and pray, Lord, help me, because if you don't, it won't be done. I got I got an amen right there, too. I got some amens right there. I got some is also when we've also had to pray, Lord, unless Jesus helped me get through this, I can't can't get it done. And that's what the disciples meant when they said increase our faith. Not that we don't have any, Lord, but our faith is not quite that big. And we need some help to forgive. Now, let's just admit it. Some people, man, they do some things to you, boys. It's a little hard to to say, I forgive you. And then we got to wrestle with when we get to the point of saying, I forgive you. It's a little hard for me certainly to trust you. In fact, some of us never restore that trust. We forgive because we come to a point of maturity and recognize because the Lord has forgiven us. I got to forgive them. But we never come to the point of having them restored to us because it's a hard thing to work through. And that's why we pray, Lord, increase our faith like the disciples did. Now watch what Jesus did. Watch what Jesus did. Because Jesus responds, interestingly, in verse 6. He looks at them and says, no, 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 I'm not going to increase your faith. In fact, you're going to use what you got. Why? Because you got it like that. You got the power and the authority right now to shift life and to help others shift their life as well. You got it like that. I gave it to you. You got that authority. You don't need any more faith. Use what you already have. And I've told you that there's power in your words and you don't need any more than what you already have. And there's power in your witness. You don't need an increase in faith because there is power already in you being a winner. There's power in your winning. Look what he says. The victory is already in you. Look at verse six if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Proverbs 12, verse 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the righteous will deliver them. See, those who are trying to set traps, and unfortunately, putting in bait for immature believers, others, a uh, God is telling us, I want you to confess the word over their life. And I want you to use the word to bring forth out of them victorious life because you're the righteous and your words of faith will deliver them. Now, you want to make that more familiar and more personal. You pray that over your children. You pray that over your spouse. You pray that over your family. You bring that to your house, okay? So you start praying over that thing. The wicked, says the writer in Proverbs 12 and 6, they wait for blood. But the righteous got words that'll deliver people. That's why you're victorious. You're already a winner because you know how to deliver people with your mouth. You got it like that. You got that kind of power. Watch this. Because your words is for winning and not wounding your words is for bringing winning for people's life i gotta let you go because my time is almost gone it's not for wounding people your words are for reconciling and not for retribution god wants us to heal people proverbs twelve fourteen, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words so when you speak And you see a person's life change and their life is lifted out of despair. Man, that gives you that gives you power. That gives you excitement. And listen, it's all because God gave it to you like that to use his word. Let me hasten on. You are living witnesses of how powerful your words have made you a winner. Now, Jesus before. In the previous text, Mark 11 told us about a fig tree. But now he talks about a mulberry tree. Now notice what he says in the beginning of verse six. He says, if you had faith of a mustard seed, and you know that the mustard seed is the smallest of all the agricultural seeds out there. Here's the incredible thing about the mustard seed. When planted, irrigated and grow, it grows as high as 15 feet in height. Its branches can go out as wide as seven to eight feet themselves. Birds flock to the mulberry tree because it's stable, it's strong. They don't just go there temporarily, they go to build nests that they may give birth to their young and they live out there. Now watch this. Here's what's interesting. The mulberry tree was also known as the casket tree. And it was known as the casket tree because the mulberry tree, its wood texture, is comparative to what we know today as treated wood that meant that it could combat and resist termites, it could combat and resist decay. And you got it, it called this called the casket tree because that's the wood they use to build caskets for those who could afford it. They could buy a casket, and when they placed it in the ground, they knew that it would not decay. It would stand the test of time. And watch what Jesus is doing. Jesus is painting the picture of how your words can deconstruct the darkest or the meanest or the most destructive circumstance, even as strong as casket wood. You got power to do that. You got it like that. Look what he says. Be uprooted. Verse six. You could say to that tree, "If you got that kind of faith, that's why I'm not giving you anymore." Said, "G, you got enough in your life right now in the midst of COVID-19. You got enough to survive it. Put that faith in the ground and grow it, in the name of Jesus." He says, "Say to this death moment, and that's what it is—a death moment. Be uprooted." Now that's incredible because we also look at the mulberry tree; its roots has an extensive system, and what Jesus was saying was, "You got faith." You got power in you to say to that circumstance, listen to it, be uprooted, and it will move because it will require supernatural strength. And you got it like that. You got supernatural power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You want to you wanna hear a life-changing verse, I mean, that will show enough. Blow your socks off. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. John 15 and verse uh, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, saying to the disciples, that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give it to you there it is there it is i'm done it'll come out of the ground be rooted in other words jesus is saying you can say that thing and bring it up by the root i had a a, a bad uh tree i wish we call trees i guess you'd call it a plant or something growing in the yard couldn't never get rid of it. i just cut the top off couldn't grip of and god told me no you got to go down in the ground and you got to pull that thing out by the root and there are some things in life you got to pull out by the root. And here it is, COVID-19, you got to pull out by the root. You can't let it get a, a foothold in your life. But in the name of Jesus, be uprooted, says Jesus. And then be planted. Here's what he means. Get out of my life. Get out of my space. Get out of my house. Go to the sea and be drowned. You have authority to do that. And listen to what Jesus says. It will obey you. Did you hear that? It will obey you. It follows you because your words are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't always see how productive things will be at the outset. We often have small beginnings, but if we wait patiently on God and continue to use the words that are in our mouth, to encourage ourselves, we will we will witness not only mountains, but mulberry trees moved. Because our words, and because of our words, we got it like that. We got the power to speak it in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you today, don't let this thing get you to a point where it beats you. And don't let this thing get you where, and I thought it was interesting how Jesus threw in there forgiveness. Why the subject of forgiveness when we're talking about troubles? And Jesus is saying, because sometimes trouble can cause us not only to become inhospitable, but unforgiving to people because we're angry about the moment that we're in. And Jesus is trying to tell disciples as well as us One of the ways to get victory and to keep walking in victory is to understand the expression of forgiveness. And you got to always remember, just as the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive others. I know that's tight. But in the name of Jesus, it will happen. Use, says Jesus, you're not getting any more. Use that mustard seed right now that you already have. Plant in the ground and watch what God will do. Come on, let us pray. Lord, thank you now. For the Holy Spirit and the word of life. Thank you for the word today from Luke chapter 17. Pray now, God, that this word found a space in someone's life, in their heart, where when they leave this virtual moment, they now have a new attitude about not only using the faith that you've given them, but also exercising forgiveness where it need be applied. Today, Lord, if somebody listened to this broadcast and they've never met Jesus Christ, this is the day that I pray is a turning point in their life. They need to know right now from my voice, you are forgiven by God's grace. No matter what you have done, no matter where you are, no matter what your life now says, come to Jesus just as you are and you are forgiven because he paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. Sin may have left that crimson stain, but I want you to know today because of what Jesus did at Calvary, He washed it, and now you can accept Him and make your life as white as snow. In Your name, Lord, I pray. Amen. Somebody all over the world today, or somebody listening to us, I pray, heard this word, and as a result, their life is now different uh, because of who Jesus Christ is now, as a result of their accepting Him as Lord and Savior. Once again, I thank you for joining us today, and I pray that someone did hear this, that you made that decision for Christ, would you call us and let us know so that we can celebrate with you how blessed it is to see another child come into the kingdom of God. Let me encourage you, Zion. Thank you so much for being who you are. Continue to bless this church in your giving. We encourage you once we are done here with this worship service that you would go to your text giving and text us your tithes and offerings or go to our website and uh, provide there by the click of the button for our e-giving. Thank you again for your consistent support. Thank you for enabling us to continue to do ministry. want to encourage you to have a blessed, wonderful week and uh, keep your head high and recognize and remember that, wow, I got spiritual power to call those things that be not as though they are. You got it like that. To remember that I've got spiritual power to overcome all things because of the words that are spoken in my mouth. You got it like that. God gave it to you. Use it for his glory, and you'll forever be walking in victory in the name of Jesus. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening, 6 o'clock, prayer meeting, 7:30. Studying the word of God. Be blessed, Zion, as you enjoy this wonderful Sabbath day. May the Lord bless you. Love you. Hang in there. Peace out. Amen.